0: Good morning, church family. Man, it's good to see you guys. Good to be back. Uh, we, we just got back from our annual family trip. Uh, I will be quick to rebuke people that say, how was your vacation? I'm sorry, but it's not quite like a vacation when you got a car full of kids and all that. It, it's a family trip. But then we were talking about it this morning. We're like, you know what? We should adjust the language on that because really what it is, it is a vacation for our kids. So we just got back from taking our kids on their vacation. Uh, it, it was a great time. We were up in northern Wisconsin. I'll tell you what, it is beautiful up there. This time of year, it is beautiful. I would say it's probably beautiful up there for about two months out of the year. And then the winters are pretty brutal. But as, as you travel, uh, especially, you know, we don't necessarily get out of our community or even get out of the state that much. But, but one of the things that will happen is, is I meet people and they ask me what I do. And I tell them I'm a pastor. Uh, one of the things that that people will do it's either one or the other. Like if if they don't have anything to do with church or anything to do with a relationship with God, they they're usually like, oh, that's nice, you know. You can just tell it's like that's not really their world. They're, or they or if they are a part of kind of the church world and doing church stuff, they they want you to know like they're a part of that, you know. And so, but but one of the things that people will say is they'll say. Oh yeah, I'm a very religious person too. And maybe they'll they'll shoot back with, oh, "Well, what religion are you?" And honestly, even hearing that word kind of makes me cringe a little bit. Like even the word religion or being religious, like it makes me like because here's the thing, like I I want I want to have a conversation and I'm glad that they feel like like we're the same in the same world together. But I want to like tell him like, oh, I'm not religious at all. I have a relationship with god uh it's different but if you if you want to know the thing as a church, the thing that we fight more than anything, the thing that we fight we we fight more than like we don't fight having to raise money to 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 build new facilities or new buildings, we don't fight just in a major lever, we, We're not fighting the world, trying to attack us. Uh, the biggest struggle we have, the biggest struggle we have is not even having to deal with LSU fans, Alabama fans, and Ohio State fans. That's not, those aren't even the biggest struggles we have. The biggest fight that we have is against the spirit of religion. And I will say that in spite of everything else that's going on in the world right now, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. I still say this is the biggest fight that we have is against the spirit of religion. We fight against this more than anything. A few years ago, one of our Kid Life pastors, they were talking to the kids. And they asked this question, what do I have to do to go to heaven? What do I have to do to go to heaven? And so they started giving some examples, trying to get some feedback from the kids. They're so like, hey, kids, like, what if I sold my car and then gave all the money to the church? Does that get me into heaven? And all the kids are like, no, because kids know. And then they asked, well, what if I... Clean all the bathrooms in the church every week for two years. Would that get me into heaven? And all the kids are like, No. And they ask, Well, what if I bought a cat for Pastor Rick and gave it to him for his birthday? Would that get me into heaven? And they're like, No, the opposite would happen. That that wasn't a real example given. I'm just letting you know. Don't buy a cat for me or Pastor Rick. Uh, but but then so then they ask the question again. So what do I have to do? And this smart aleck ten year old at the back of the room said, Well, you got to die first. It's like, well, that's a good point. You do have to die first to go to heaven. But that question, that question right there, you could consider that kind of the seed of it all. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do to be close to God, to be free, to go to heaven, to heal myself, help myself, give myself hope? What do I have to do? And that's the seed of religion. And this is what Paul was addressing in majority of his letters in the New Testament. Uh, this morning, specifically, we're going to look at Galatians and some in Romans. But what was happening in Galatia and in Rome was the gospel had gotten there in its purest sense. But how many of y'all know when God creates something, when God does something, and it gets into man's hands, we typically mess it up. And this is the early church. This is this is not long after. Jesus had ascended into heaven. It's not long after that. And already, like the gospel had already gotten to these people, and already the enemy has gotten into people's heads and is trying to manipulate the gospel, trying to make it something it wasn't. So this is what Paul is dealing with. He's dealing with the spirit of religion because there were people that were taking the gospel and every, the message of Jesus Christ and saying, yeah, that's good, but you still got to do this stuff. You got to do these rules you got to abide by these laws. So Paul's addressing that. So in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by men. Okay, so he's, I love this. Paul is getting right at it because what he's saying from the very beginning, he's like, I know there's been some men that have been making up their own gospel to bring to you, but I'm not sent by man. My gospel is not coming from men, but by Jesus Christ and our God, our God and Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace to you. And I love that. He's leading with that because here's the issue. A spirit of religion will always lead you away from grace first and foremost. He's saying grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself. This is how this worked. He gave himself. For our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. According to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, religion is attempting to please God by adhering to rules and regulations. Like I've got this distance between me and God, and I've got to try to close the distance. I've got to do a bunch of stuff to make up the distance for myself. I've got to do that. I think it's our natural tendency to want to try to do things on our own. Like, I'll I, I, I make this work out. I, I'll, I'll do this. Like, if Cody ever comes home from the grocery store, she walks in the house, she says, hey, guys, I got a bunch of groceries out in the van. I need you guys to go and help unload it. And I'll just walk through. I'll, I'll stand up, walk through the room, and like, oh, y'all sit down. I got this. I'm going to walk out there to the van. I'm going to push the automatic door on the van. Vans are awesome. Everything on them is automatic. You just push the button. Stuff just opens up. And I'll look down the back of the van, and you can see all those plastic loops sticking out all over the place. And already, because this is just the way God has created us as godly men, every godly man knows how this works. Immediately, He's already given me a plan in my heart, mind, and soul of how I'm gonna weave my hand through every one of those plastic loops to pick up every single one of those bags. You got to go with your strong arm first, all right? So you got to put about 25, 30 bags on your strong arm. Now, your off arm, it's a little more difficult because you can't have the assistance of it because the other one's already wrapped up. And you're kind of in this position already. And you're just trying to weave through the rest of them. So you got 25, 30 on this arm, about 17 to 20 on this arm, and about six or seven in your teeth. And you just kind of lift up, and then you walk back to the house, but you already forgot you are supposed to leave the door open for yourself because nobody cares that you're carrying all the groceries in by yourself. And you got a bunch of bags in your teeth, so they can't hear you oh, in the door. So you just kick the door open, you just kick it down. And you walk in. But now the hard part's coming because that countertop is high. So this is where the legs get into motion. You kind of kind of spring into it, and then you just toss everything up. And you gotta break a few things, but that's okay because you got all the groceries by yourself into the house. And every godly man in the house said, Amen. Here's the thing: it's your natural tendency to want to carry every load all by yourself, but you weren't designed and you can't carry this load. You can't carry the load of sin. You can't carry the load of salvation. Only Jesus can do that. But this is what Paul is dealing with. In verse six, he says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. The Greek word for deserting that is found in this scripture is the word meta It means the process of transporting or changing sides, moving to the other sideline, deserting. A spirit of religion will get you in the process of walking away from grace more than anything else in your life. Walking away from the gospel. Honestly, walking away from the character of Christ. So I want to talk about three poisons of religion that any one of us could be susceptible to and probably some of us are susceptible to right now. The first one is religion brings confusion. Brings confusion. In verse 7, the later part of verse 7, it says, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. How are they doing this? They're doing this by adding things to it. The stuff that they got to do. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a different gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. So out of everything that's been going on with this virus, this, there's a couple of things that have been stressing me out the most. Okay. Uh, the thing that has been stressing me out the most, other than these math word problems y'all keep posting on Facebook, totally stressing me out. Stop it, okay? Okay, we get it. You're smart. You can count stuff. Okay? Those things stress me out. But the other thing that's been stressing me out is this. You don't know what to do when you greet people. Like, if you walk into a place and there's some people standing around there, you're like, okay, where are they at? We, th- no? Like, you don't know what to do with your hands. And you're, you're waiting for some sort of signal, like, are you a hugger right now? You're not a hugger. Are you a handshaker? Are you a fist bumper? Like, what am I supposed to do? You're kind of getting all these, these mixed signals. I actually saw somebody while we were on, while we took our kids on vacation, uh, on their vacation. I actually saw somebody hugging people around the waist. <laughs> hugging them around the waist to avoid being too close to, and I'm like, no, that's not the answer. No, like so, they try to come at me. I'm like, no, you no, ah, uh-uh. no. I'm, I was gonna give you a fist bump. I ain't touching you now. You've been hugging everybody's waist. It's weird. The problem with religion is it sends mixed signals. You don't know what you're getting. You don't know where you're at. You don't know what to do. Because. With the spirit of religion, you have people that are saying, I, I am a son or daughter of God. And then you got other people saying, well, maybe we're not. And then you're like, well, am I in or am I out? Because I don't know if I've done everything that I need to do to be in. And I know that I've done some things that maybe I'm out. So you don't know what to do. A spirit of religion sends mixed signals. I think a lot of people, they look at everything that Christian churches do and they think, who's right? Who's right? Like, is it the Baptists or the Charismatics? Is it the Lutherans or the Catholics? Let me just encourage you with this. Never get caught up in the external styles, expressions, and methods. Because what Paul kept saying over and over again is don't do Jesus plus something. A lot of people, some would say, well, it has to be Jesus plus speaking in tongues. And then other people say, well, it has to be Jesus plus baptism. Some people say, well, it has to be Jesus plus Sunday school. Some people say, well, it has to be Jesus plus Hillsong because you know you're not a good Christian unless you listen to Hillsong. Some people say, oh, it has to be Jesus plus the King James Version of the Bible. It's Jesus, only Jesus. All I am and all I have and all I ever hope to be is in Christ alone. It's just Jesus. Religion focuses on man's good. Religion focuses on man's good. With the good that man can do. Paul talked about this to the Colossians. He said, be fruitful knowing God. Like you produce fruit by simply knowing God. A vineyard tender who was trying to grow grapes was asked, why is it that all the vines have to be attached to these lattices? And he said, well, if they're not attached to the lattices, then they'll continue to grow in the dirt and they won't produce fruit. But as soon as you lift them towards the sun, they will produce fruit. You see, our role is simply to lift ourselves and to lift people towards the sun, and if we'll do that, fruit will be produced. Just lift them towards the sun. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. Christianity is all the effort and attempt that God has made to reach us. That's the difference. Not, I've been so good that it finally pleased God. Fullness comes from a relationship with God. If you want to produce fruit, stay connected to Jesus. He talks about it in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. This is the message translated. It says, the law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of deep healing of it. Anybody have anybody in your family that's a little bit obsessed with Band-Aids? Anybody? Any? I'm not going to look at anybody, point anybody out right now. But in most families, I find that there is at least one person that even, like, it doesn't matter what kind of broke skin it is. Like, it you could just be like, some, like you rubbed your arm on the wall a little hard. That's got to have a Band-Aid. Everything's got to have a Band-Aid. And Usually the issue is, like, they get bug bites, and they scratch it, and then the bug bite opens, and now they need a Band-Aid. But the root issue is not that they need a Band-Aid. The root issue is they need some self-control and stop itching bug bites until they open up, and then they got to have a Band-Aid. And if they would learn self-control, we wouldn't be spending hundreds of dollars on Band-Aids every week. <laughs> it's not really hundreds, but being a little dramatic. But there's a lot of Band-Aids going out in our house. you got to deal with the root issue. And now what the law code asked for but we couldn't deliver is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit of God is doing in us. Man, there's rest there. There's a major misconception. Major misconception, and it is this. Good people go to heaven. Bad people go to hell. So let me give you some religious logic. Religious logic would say this. There is a good God who lives in a good place who's reserving space for good people. So to get to this good place, I've got to be good. And let me tell you something. The South is absolutely diseased with this mindset. Why? Why? Because we just got a bunch of good old boys and good old girls. I mean, I'm talking really good people down in the South. I mean, we got people who drive trucks and root for the hogs and skin a deer and shoot tobacco and spit. Let me get to the men here in a second. We hold the door for our ladies and say, no, ma'am, and yes, ma'am. And we say grace before every meal. We give and we help and we show up and we serve. There's goodness in Southern people all that goodness can blind us. When your goodness makes you feel righteous, you can forget that all of your righteousness is like filthy rags. That's what Paul said. It doesn't just blind you of an accurate view of yourself. It it blinds you of an accurate view of God. How he chooses how he picks. How many of y'all remember like back when you were in school and you go out for recess on the playground and it was time for kickball, okay? Or whatever sport, whatever it was out on the playground during recess, okay? So you know how this works. You get the two best people in the whole school. They were the team captains, right? Like self-appointed, like "Uh, me and -and so-and-so, we're going to be the team captains. All you rest of you losers, you go line up over there. We'll pick the best of you we can. But really the two best guys are right here. But this is what would happen. You line up. You get in this big line. And for me, like immediately, I would get anxious. I'm starting to sweat a little bit. Because the last thing you want to be is the last guy picked. Because that stigma will be on you for the rest of your life. You'll think, nah, I'm going to get picked now, last for the rest of ever. This is never going to, I'm never going to get out of this. So you're over there. I'm already trying to put myself in the best position I can. I'm, like, talking to guys around. He's like, hey, remember when we played the other day and I made that driving catch out in the field and got that guy out? That was amazing. (laughs) Like, I'm quick, too. I'm fast. I'm way more fast than Zane over there wearing cowboy boots. You can't play kickball wearing cowboy boots. Will over there, his pants are way too long. He can't make it around the bases. I'm over there, like, flexing my calves. I'm like, I'm quick. Quick. uh You want me on your team because you don't want to get picked last. When you view God through the lens of religion, this is what he's like. He's picking the good guys to be on his team. And the bad guys go to hell. How good do you have to be, though, to be on God's team? I think that's a great question. In my mind, because I've struggled with the spirit of religion, it feels like a scale. And if I pile all my good stuff on one side of the scale, if if somehow it can just outweigh all the bad stuff I've done in my life, and I can just tip the scales, then I'm in a good place. If I can just do that. And it's obviously good people that God is looking for. When you have a root of religion that is inside of you, you will view the Bible As a bunch of stories of heroes versus villains. Because that's how every movie is, right? So that has to be how the Bible is. And religion says, if I do this and don't do this and do this, then you can be one of the heroes. But here's the problem. Have you ever read the New Testament? Like, where are all the heroes in the New Testament? There's not one. There's just a bunch of drunks and adulterers, and thieves, and terrorists, and cowards. Here's the Bible in a nutshell. All villains, one hero, his name is Jesus. That is it. I'm not trying to be a hero. I tried and failed miserably. I've just decided to follow the only real hero. And all I really am is just a redeemed, forgiven, transformed, empowered, former villain. Just trying to live humbly with my God. Walk with him. Number three, religion can keep you away from true salvation. Can keep you away from true salvation. I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to give you one of the most sobering verses in the Bible and then we'll wrap up. Uh, these ones won't be on your screen. So if you have your Bible Bible app, you can follow along with me. This is in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Okay, so I don't know about you, but but as I've heard this verse growing up over the course of my life, like I always get this picture painted in my head. And the first picture I have in my head is the broad road. So in my mind, like I see this, this barren wasteland, like, you know, the sky's always red because red is the devil. Okay, and so this guy's always red. It's like a scene from Lord of the Rings, and they're walking towards Mordor or something like that, right? And, and that's the scene. There's jagged rocks everywhere, and there's like three or four guys over here smoking pot, and they're wearing ACDC t-shirts, and you hear me- music in the background on the high. Way to hell like that's the only music playing over there and then you look over here and there's a group of 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 like the last 15 years super bowl halftime performers they're all over there and then you find a couple of politicians you don't like and you throw them in the picture as well and that's what the broad road to hell looks like the next picture is the narrow road to heaven and salvation and that's a much different picture it's like Bob Ross painted it. There's a couple happy little trees here and there. And there's kind of a weepy, meek-looking guy there wearing a Carmen concert T-shirt. And everyone's wearing their "What Would Jesus Do?" bracelets, and it's just beautiful. And there's really weird naked babies flying around, cherubs. The music's like, oh. You just walk, that narrow? There's not a lot of people there. But you just walk towards heaven. But the real roads, the broad road is the road of religion. The narrow road is the road of relationship. Because just a few verses later, in verse 21, it says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of, the, of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, any time a word is repeated in the word, especially when you look at it in the original language, it's like an explanation point. It is said with conviction. It is said with the idea of it being true. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I mean, look at this. Look at all the stuff that these guys were doing. All the churchy stuff. These are people. Jesus said, many people, many people, and they're pointing to their works. They're pointing to what they did. And Jesus said, I never even knew you. Not, I knew you like 10 years ago. No, I never knew you. Religion gives us a false sense of comfort. We're like, but I was dedicated. Like, I got baptized and confirmed and went through confirmation. Look at all the certificates I got. I went to a life group or a Sunday school class, and I didn't even like it. And I went there for years and years and years. I did all this stuff. One of our campus pastors, one of our other locations, at one point he got a call of a guy that was in the hospital, and he went to visit the guy in the hospital. The reason why he was in the hospital is because his wife tried to beat him to death with a skillet. Welcome to Arkansas so this guy's in the hospital but in the process of being in the hospital they did blood work and they found out that not only did she try to kill him with the skillet she had been poisoning him over months so eventually this guy got released and obviously his wife and he were no longer together because she went to jail but the pastor went and visited him at his home And as he's sitting there in his home, the guy sitting in a chair, he looked over his shoulder on the wall. Back behind him was the certificate of perfect attendance to their church. All that perfect attendance to their church didn't seem to produce the fruit of the spirit that you would think it would in his wife. I think you get the point. Church attendance is important because the word says, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. I don't know about y'all, I feel like our church has done an amazing job with all the online stuff, everything we can do to try to minister to people, but it is not the same as when you actually get to be in proximity to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Like even when you're social distancing, it helps you, it builds you up, it encourages you. You see, don't forsake the gathering of the saints, it's not just because God was worried about church attendance. He said it because he knew you were gonna need people and people were gonna need you. And we're the body of Christ. And you can't pretend like you're not a part of the body because you're still a part of the body. Even if you're trying not to be a part of the body, you're just not working as a part of the body of Christ that God created you to be. So we need each other. So it's, I'm not saying that those things aren't important, but you have to understand the hearts. And that is what people miss. And that is where a spirit of religion comes in. Because the heart of Christ, the heart of Christ is he just wants relationships just wants relationship so here it is the truth is God just gave me a new heart and everything that I've done since that day has been out of a relationship with him not for a relationship with him he already did everything that needs to be done for me to have a relationship with him. let's close our eyes, bow our heads I think there might be some of you today who are just saying, James, look, I, I feel like I've just got too much distance between me and God, and I'll try and I try, but I just don't ever feel like I can get any closer. Well, that may be because you're believing a lie from the pit of hell, because the truth is God is not confined by time and space. And your loving heavenly father has been pursuing you. He has been one step behind you, one step with you over the whole course of your life. And all he is waiting for you is to simply stop and turn around and he's ready to embrace you. He's never been far from you. And some of you might feel like you've just done a lot of religious things. But if you were really honest, you've never had a a true relationship with God. And there might be some of you just saying, look, I've never really submitted my life to God. Wherever you are on the spectrum, I just wanna let you know that God loves you. Jesus did everything that needs to be done. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's done everything that needs to be done for you to have a relationship with God. He paid the price. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's just simply accept Jesus. And if you're here today and you know you haven't, you feel distant from God, you just don't feel like you're in a good place. Maybe you, you need to rededicate your life to him. Maybe you just feel like you're away from him, but you, you were close to him, you had a good relationship at one point, but you've made some decisions. You've let a false concept of your sin, and your shame and guilt, or, or just the busyness and schedule of life has allowed you to drift and you need to rededicate your life to him or if you've never surrendered to him at all, I'm gonna ask you to do something here in a second. And what I'm gonna ask you to do is not what gets you saved. But what I'm gonna ask you to do, I just find anytime you make a decision of your own free will to physically say, I need you, God. It releases faith inside of you to receive everything that God has for you. So if you're in that place and you just feel distant from God and you know you need him and you're ready to come to him, come back to him. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, would you please put your hand up with some boldness and some courage in this place? As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Got you guys. There at the back. Yes, sir. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for being bold. God's going to honor that. Anybody else? I just need Jesus. I've been religious, but I've never had a relationship. Anyone else? There might be somebody that you're just being a little bit stubborn. I got you, bro. Thank you, man. Thanks for responding. I respect that. That is strength. That's real strength right there. Got it. Yeah. Got it. The word says that it's in our weakness that his power is made perfect. Man, you want your life to be changed? Let the power of the creator of the universe show up in your life and transform you and heal you. And it happens when you're willing to admit that you don't have it. You don't got it. You need Him. Anybody else? There was a lot of hands, so I just want to pray with you guys. And you can pray this as loud as your own ears can hear it. You can pray it in your heart. I think it's very important you go public with this at some point. When we're able to, we're going to have a lot of people getting baptized again. We're gonna, but I would encourage you tell somebody, tell somebody the decision you're making right now as soon as you can. Just let them know, hey, I, I made a decision give my life to Jesus today. But right there in your chair, let's just talk to him. And you may, God may already have the words in your heart. You may have been talking to me as I've been talking, but you can just tell him something like this. You just have to admit that you need him. Just say, hey, God, I messed up. I'm a sinner. And I know that I can't save myself. I know that there is nothing that I can do that can earn salvation. There's nothing that I can do that can earn your love. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus and Jesus did everything that will ever need to be done for me so that I could be saved. So right now I ask for your forgiveness. My sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross, but you defeated death and you defeated the grave when you rose from the grave. Because you defeated death, you defeated death in me. Because you defeated the grave, you defeated the the grave in me. Because you defeated sin, you defeated sin in me. And right now, I accept that. And I confess you, not just as my Savior, but as the Lord of my life, I give you control. Because I know I've got to live for you. Because living for me doesn't work. Living for the world is never going to I thank you that as I live for you, God, you're gonna lift me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna every day I'm gonna lift my eyes towards your son. And as I do that, you will produce fruit in me that lasts. That'll be a testimony to the world around me of your love in me. I thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that we can be set free from a spirit of religion. Because the truth is the world is hurting. The world needs hope. The world needs love, but we can't give them what we don't have. So we've got to get our relationship right so that we don't try to teach the world that it's about doing. So that we can just show the world it's about loving. I Thank you for that, for your grace to help us to do. It. In Jesus' name.